Hey, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to uh, the viewers or listeners, whether you're watching the video podcast or the audio podcast. You can see my guest on screen. I'll introduce him in a moment. It's me again, in case you don't know, Alex Williams-Smith by birth, but better known to many of you as Jonathan Royal, the British bad boy of hypnosisofmagicalguru.com. You will notice below this video or below where you're listening to this audio podcast, various website links. Those will take you to uh, our guest today's YouTube, to his Facebook page, to his website, so that you can go and check out his services and his products and stuff. So please welcome to this edition of Hypnosis Week, all the way from South Africa, star of the television show Nowhere Land, South Africa's number one public speaking, motivational hypnotherapist, stage hypnotist and all around master of the mind, Mr. Max Khan. How are you doing, Max? I'm doing very well and thank you for interviewing me. I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be a lot of fun. Thank you for agreeing to do it. Now, look, the first question I ask everyone, this will get different in the middle because everyone is different. But the first question, this applies to everyone that's been on this show today and in the future is that there was a point in your life before you became Max Khan, the master of hypnosis, both therapeutically and, uh, and entertainment wise. What was your journey? How did you end up on this path and get to where you are now? Well, like many other hypnotists, I got hypnotized one night in Glasgow's Pavilion Theatre uh, by the great hypnotist Robert Halpern, ah. uh, who's, who's responsible for teaching quite a few other hypnotists. And up until that point, before I got hypnotized, I always enjoyed these shows. Whenever Halpern was in town, I would go and see the shows and I thoroughly enjoyed them from an amusement laugh perspective. But I had difficulty, I was quite skeptical, I suppose. I had difficulty in believing that the people on stage were genuinely, if I can put it, you know, hypnotized under this man's uh, command or beck and call. And one evening I decided I would volunteer. Now, Alex, I, I volunteered with the idea that I would uh, expose his modus operandi, if I can put it like that. Mm -hmm. I volunteered with the idea that he is not going to be able to hypnotize me because I'm not, I don't really even believe in it. But anyway, he did hypnotize me. And um, I don't remember much about the show other than I was terribly funny. And one of his, let's say, better subjects. And it was only at the interval when Robert Halpern woke me up. He said, off you go. I'll call you after the interval. And I thought that was quite a strange thing to say. And I left the stage and I went back to where my friends were. And there was easily about... Oh, six or seven of us there that night or they all start telling me how funny i'd been and everything i was doing and i and i said no i said hold on guys i've, I've only went up there i've sat down he, he's uh now sent me off they said no you've been up there like an hour and i looked at my watch and an hour had indeed gone past and then i started to wonder why i was perspiring and why my clothes were a little bit loose and, of course, they're telling me all the things I've, I've been doing and how funny I am. And it was starting to come back to me like a dream. You know how when you wake up in the morning and you know, you know you've been dreaming, but you can't quite put the dream together to make sense of it. So it was all coming back to me like that. And I was standing drinking a beer. I used to drink in those days, being a Glaswegian. And uh, all of a sudden, this tune gets played to start Robert Harper's second half of the show. And, and I just put my beer down and started running 
and pushing past people to get back up on the stage before anybody else. Obviously, he'd left me with a post-hypnotic suggestion that when you hear this particular music, you'll stop whatever you're doing and return to the stage. Now, Alex, the kind of friends I had in Glasgow uh, at that time, uh, you couldn't leave your beer unattended because, trust me, they would have drank it or put something in it or done something. But I didn't care. My most pressing uh, desire and uh, thought was, I must get back up on stage. And then I wanted Halpern to appear, uh, Robert Halpern to appear, and just mention that magical word that we all use, that one syllable word, sleep. Because I knew upon hearing that from him, I'd go back into that state, whatever. I, I wasn't sure what it was, but it was just a great place where, where I felt very, very free. I felt very, very confident, totally uninhibited. It was a great feeling of freedom. And from that night, I became, I went from, let's say, being skeptical to understanding now. Uh, this hypnosis stuff, there's something going on. I had to find out what, you know. So that was basically how I was, let's say, baptized mm -hmm. into the world of stage hypnosis and how I became fascinated by this whole mind, of which I know absolutely nothing, by the way. I just, uh, you know, you're learning every day, but I don't think we'll ever really know what's going on. You do. I reckon you know everything. Uh, <laughs> that's why I'm a big, a big fan of you. Uh, uh, no, Jonathan. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all theories and constructs and models, isn't it? And there's so many so. different models of psychology and hypnosis. And they all kind of pretty much contradict each other. They do, but um, if I may just say, uh, before we go any further, you know, you mentioned yourself that you're the bad boy of hypnosis. I actually look upon you as being really one of the greats. Uh, I, I think when I look at some of the stuff you've done and some of the work uh, you've put out and I look at your industry, I think to myself, my goodness me, uh, Jonathan Royal is the number one, not just in the UK. I consider you number one, Jonathan, worldwide. I think you're a marvelous guy. Yes, you are outspoken yeah. and your outspokenness actually comes from your honesty because you don't take any nonsense. And you tell people exactly what's going on. Nothing is fluff. Nothing is coated in sugar. You're quite to the point. And uh, I think that's beautiful. And if only more people would think that and realize that when they deal with you, they're getting as close to hypnosis, as close to the expertise as they ever will. So I just wanted to say that right off pat. Well, um, yeah, well I'm, yeah, I'm speechless. Um, thank you, Max. Um, I, I would still say there's still only constructs and, and models and I don't believe there's anyone really can say definitively one million percent this is exactly why and how hypnosis works and it must be done this way because there's people out there who believe things that go totally against what I teach but they're still getting results so well, there you go the uh, oxymoron of it but right you stopped me in my tracks then max um yeah so you you got baptized as it were with hypnosis being hypnotized by robert helton but then obviously that started you on your quest to learn it before you actually started doing it i mean how, how did you how long ago was this how did you i know in recent years we've got the internet but when you and you and me both started in all this there was no internet and it was a hell of a lot harder to find stuff out, wasn't it? It was indeed. 
You know, I was fortunate to have a cousin that lived in America, he used to send me videos, which I had to get changed into our format. And um, he used to send me a lot of videos, which helped me as well. That was an early form of the internet, because internet, YouTube, an early form of YouTube, um, a video would arrive in the post, and that was your YouTube for the, the week or the month. And uh, in those days, I think we had VHS and Beta, but the American videos had a strange uh, um, format. I think that's might what it be, uh, what it is, yeah. So you used to have to get them changed because either you couldn't see the video or you couldn't hear the sound, and that was a bit of a mess. But yeah, I know I've, I've continued my education uh, throughout. I, I don't think for one second, Alex, that I know it all. I think I'd be very foolish to, to say that. As you say, there's so many different modalities, different constructs. Everybody's got different opinions. Uh, you've actually said it quite beautifully and succinctly. Uh, there's people out there doing the opposite of what you're teaching, and yet they're getting results. And I think we can reduce it to the old saying that there's many ways to, to skin a cat. Um, and if we're getting results, you know, I always say to people, it doesn't matter where you get your result from. If you're getting a result, just do more of that. Don't try and, uh, you know, go and waste time finding another way. If, if, if you're getting your result through this way, if you're being successful by doing ABC, you keep doing ABC and uh, let that manifest in your life and let that keep multiplying. So when you started out, I mean, you were getting, you were lucky you got these videos sent over uh, and stuff. But I mean, who who were your sort of early influences? I mean, I, I stereotypically, all right, I was very lucky that I met um, a guy no longer with us called Delavar who taught me personally. But from a books and videos point of view, my early resources were Armand McGill, uh, Gil Boyne, the so-called cowboy hypnotist. Um, I think they were the main ones that I got hold of initially. What, what were your sort of influences? You know, the ones that I got hold of in the early days was obviously Robert Halpern because uh, mm. I was volunteer. He used to come for six weeks at a time. He used to perform. The Wednesday night was my favourite because you get two tickets for the price of one. So being a Scotsman, and uh, <laughs> you know what they say about the Scotsman, I would go on the Wednesday night. But there was another hypnotist called Scrudini. Now, Scrudini used to do all the nightclubs. Not the nightclubs, but let's say the, like the, tea, the trade union clubs and places like that. Now, he was a wonderful hypnotist because he, he was right in amongst. Robert was very theatrical. I mean, Robert used to appear from Rockets and he would appear from empty, like, frames and things like ma magical frames and things like that. Uh, Scrudini used to be right up close to you. And he would. They'd walk past you and look at you, and they would touch you on the shoulder, for example, and next minute, no, they didn't say anything to you, but next minute you're walking with them to where he's in the chair is because he, he's been given maybe three or four meters, uh, three or four yards of space, mm -hmm. and he's got maybe eight, and that's where he's going to hypnotize the people. Somebody was hypnotizing the audience, he, obviously he maybe hypnotized these people before, but Scrudini was a, a wonderful hypnotist. Then there was an old, old guy called Arthur Riley that I used to meet. He, now, he used to play like the fringe, if I can put it like that. He wasn't very well known, but he had a wonderful technique too. He would, uh, uh, his favorite saying was, clear the working area. He used to shout that, clear the working area. And he would grab people, and he would just literally grab people and say, sit there. <laughs> and I saw this for about three, four times, 
before I realized, my goodness me, this man's a genius. I saw, the, I saw him do that three, four times before I realized what he was actually doing. That was how he got his volunteers. There was no hand clasp method. method. Uh, this hand clasp method, you know, even Halpern used to use it. To me, it was a bit long drawn out. And, uh, I used to consider it a waste of time. I never saw Arthur uh, do a hand clasp once. And I never saw Scrooge uh, do a hand clasp once. They, they used to get straight to it. Very, very similar to one night I was in Rochdale. Uh, I went out with this hypnotist guy and he took me to this club. And I think within five minutes... He had a show going, totally impromptu. It wasn't even on the bill. But he just got a few volunteers up, straight into it, and he did like a half an hour. And he did that just for me, by the way. Can't remember his name. Um, Alex, can, you yeah. can you help me? Obviously, for anyone in England, was done purely for scientific and research purposes only. For educational Absolutely. purposes only. So it's making it legal. For which sure. It wasn't time for yeah. a 1952. Of <laughs> <laughs> so did you actually get to kind of train with Robert back in the day? You know what? I, I was volunteering every night of the week, and Harper once said to me one night, "But you can't volunteer. You're, you, you weren't you the guy on last night and the night before?" I said, "Yes." <laughs> you, know, this is, uh, you can't volunteer tonight. People are going to think that uh, you know you're a stooge or a shill or or whatever. And I said, no, but I'm loving it. It's great. He said, no, he said, you can help me. So I used to help uh, Robert Halpern, but behind the scenes, just with some of his props and things oh, like nice. that. And uh, so I was quite up close to him. Uh, uh, had a introduction, but it was quite long-winded as well. Um, but he was a great showman, uh, Robert Halpern. And I worked also with old Arthur, uh, because he'd played, he'd played the show, a lot of the showgrounds. And he would play a lot of the hotels. In those days, the stackers, the Rio Stackers hotels, uh, had hotels all over Glasgow, Aberdeen, Edinburgh, Dundee, everywhere. And uh, he did his hypnosis show in there. It was him that actually gave me my first, let's say, I, I'd obviously done shows in pubs and I'd done shows in friends' houses, but he gave me my first uh, kind of baptism uh, of actually performing myself. And I always remember one night we were at the Treetops Hotel. The Treetops Hotel was quite an upmarket hotel in Aberdeen. Mm -hmm. And old Arthur said to me tonight, he said, listen, don't come with those clothes on. I want you to dress up, be smart. And I, I just thought to myself that it was a more perhaps upmarket uh, kind of show or kind of audience. And I dressed up and when I got there, he said to me, you're doing the show. And I promise you, Alex, I started stuttering, I was aspiring, my heart was thumping. And I said, no, 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 I'm not ready, I can't do it. But he obviously saw something in me. He said, no, you are ready. He says, and furthermore, if you don't do it tonight, he said, you, you'll not be working for me anymore. I used to work for him like casually. <laughs> I wasn't like, yeah, I wasn't on his uh, payroll or anything. I think I used to get about five or a night, five quid, five pounds uh, in the 80s. Uh, that was uh, a fiver. You could you could go places in a fiver, <laughs> not yeah. far, but you could get some. So Alex, I did that show, and uh, I did it exactly the way he used to do it. I, I didn't. I wasn't brazen enough to go in and just say clear the working area and grab people. I, ca I called for volunteers. Uh, I, I did a little speech at first. Hey, we're going to hypnotize. We're going to have fun and blah 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 blah. But uh, it went very well. And it made me realize, gosh, I'm actually 
I actually can do this. And he has saw something in me that I didn't know I possessed myself. So that gave me a great deal of confidence. And then I was like the proverbial dog that's bitten someone and has tasted blood. Uh, I wanted now a taste of it all the time. I wasn't happy now just you know, selling tickets and putting up posters and collecting tickets and doing the music and, and standing at the door and helping him backstage or whatever or ha- passing them things or taking things from him. I got a little bit uh, grandiose. I thought, no, I'm the man around here. And then, um, yeah, so I started doing a few shows on my own with great confidence because, and I thank Arthur for that to this day. I don't know what ever happened to him. I don't know if you ever came across him or knew of him. But I'm just going to, well, because obviously we're speaking via my computer, but I've got my phone. Mm. I'm just going to go on the internet because I've got this little thing in the back of my head. And I know if I go into Google and just type in Arthur. Right. I've Googled him so many times, Alex, and nothing has come up. He was an old man then. Uh, he would never, ever tell you his age. I would have put him and I'm saying around about 1985, 86, I would have said he was about late 60s. So he's I've no longer with us. The little niggling thing in the back of my mind that, and it's not coming up yet, I'll have to look later, but I'm sure that I had a, an A5-sized sort of pamphlet, maybe about 40 pages, called... Hypnotism, I think it was purely the title, by Arthur Riley. Um, And I think magic companies used to sell this decades ago, but I think it comes up now and again, second hand. If you can find that, or if you find anything of him, even a picture, oh gosh, I'll be forever indebted to you. Later on, I will will have a search, because it definitely, green cover, Mm. said hypnotism had a line drawing and I'm sure it was it might definitely Riley is the second name mm. there's part of me R-I-L-E-Y yeah mm. Mm. he used to say he came from the billiard table people I don't know how true that was I never checked it out he used to say that his father or his uncle uh, had started oh, the billiard yeah. table uh, I don't know if that's true uh, he, he was a great storyteller. He should have been, you know what, when that man told stories, his stories, well, we know stories are hypnotic, but Arthur's were brilliant. So in those days, it was very hard to authenticate, you know, are you who you say you are? You could clearly see this man was what he was saying he was because he was good at what he did. Um, but yeah, he was like Tam Pepper, always good for a story or with a story or for a story, for entertaining people- as well. For people who are watching or listening, as the case may be, depending on which platform uh, the viewing or listening to this on, who may not be in England, or indeed for those who are in England who've not, for whatever reason, not heard of Robert Halpern, I just want to mention Robert again, and put this briefly into perspective, that he used to work, as, as Max said, like, could be six weeks at a time, practically every day of the week, uh, the Pavilion Theatre in Glasgow. He did all the venues as well, but I mean, that was particularly where he was massively known. And he was filling, selling out night after night and was making an absolute fortune, arguably more than your so called massive household name hypnotist in certain countries are making now, proportionally. And he was 
from what I've heard, been told, pictures I've seen, somewhat eccentric in that he 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 had a, a was it a lion or a puma? Uh, he had lions. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That was his favourite. And uh, he thought nothing of bringing them on the show. They were young lions, of course. Uh, mm. um, they weren't obviously fully grown. <laughs> uh, yeah, Robert liked uh, his wildlife, let's say that. Now, I'm going to be careful how I say this because some people, sadly, in um, certainly the stage hypnosis industry, are unnecessarily. Uh, insecure, backbiting, bitchy, uh, childish at times individuals and be, can be quite uh, litigation happy. Um, but you hear a lot, well not a lot because some people are a lot more grown up these days, but you'll hear certain people always slagging off others who start doing well and going, you've stolen my routine, that was my routine, I came up with that. And yet, with a little bit of research uh, and perhaps accidental watching of videos that may exist somewhere, um, it suddenly becomes quite clear that a lot of these people who are alive today, who are very vocal, saying, don't nick my routines or I'll break your bloody legs or similar nonsense, um, when you look at, say, an old video of Robert Halpern, it's amazing how they're doing all the routines that these people are supposed to have invented. And not only that, also in practically the same order as well. And the same patter and the same one liners. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what, Alex? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say now that um, I don't own a single thing uh regarding hypnosis I, I i've been given hypnosis as a gift if you want to call it like that and i'm using it uh, chiefly to derive and earn my income but i don't own it and all i'm doing i'm doing my level best to maintain a high standard of hypnosis that when i eventually pop my clogs that hypnosis will still be let's say popular and favorable and someone will take over my mantle or if you like and carry on in the same kind of vein and uh, it doesn't matter what I do what I say I, I say to people if you enjoy that use it in your next show if you like that one-liner uh, develop it make it your own uh, you know add a different edge to it but I don't believe in copywriting anything I don't believe in trademarking anything and that's another thing that I love about you is your generosity I mean my goodness me the stuff that you put on YouTube the stuff that you give away for free if anybody's listening and doesn't have money you don't need money when you deal with Alex you can learn so much and he doesn't charge a cent yes he's got paid products obviously he has but the stuff that you give out Alex for free is really beyond belief and it's all down to your it's all down I think to your confidence you know you're good you're very good you're one of the best and because of that you can do this quite freely with a glad heart you touched on the word insecurity. I think you get it in every industry. In the magical fraternity, you get it as well. Oh, I uh, have 150 magic tricks. The magicians and you only have 100. You've been listening. Max 
also does magic as well, don't you, Max? <laughs> I do, yeah. I, I, I do magic chiefly as a hobby. I love magic, but I am a badge performer. Uh, perform, I have done my badge performance for the Johannesburg Magic Circle, and I am a fully-fledged member. But yeah, magic's my hobby, and hypnosis is my, let's say, income or my earning. But you get it across. It doesn't matter which industry that you find yourself in. And if you want to be good, if you really want to become the best, you've got to rise above the dogs. I refer to them as the dogs. And these dogs are all fighting. They're all growling. They're all fighting with each other. If you look at what they're fighting, they're fighting for a couple of scraps of chicken and meat, a few old bones that have been lying there for years. And they're really 1% of guys who, you know, rise above that. They're not interested in the dogs. They're not even interested in watching the dogs because they have elevated themselves to a platform that is miles away from these dogs. You know the old saying, dog eat dog? Mm. And that's what it is. It's very, very sad because some of these people are in their own right very good performers, but why they have to waste so much time and uh, attract so much negative attention to the fact that, let's just say that, if you're a stage hypnotist or you're a magician, you're not welcome at my show. <laughs> I, would, I would never do that in a million years. I, I would encourage, I love when the, the local guys come and see my show. I love it. It gives me a great feeling to know that they've taken the time out of their very busy schedules yeah. to come and view my two-hour show. It absolutely thrills me. And I speak to them afterwards, and I'm very, very friendly. And I've also lent them some stuff and lent them apparatus. I've got no fear in the world. Life is very, very short. I can't take any of this with me. So if I leave some of it for somebody that's going to use it and use it better than what I did, then I'll feel good. I really will. And you do, I know in recent years, you've kind of... I know you still obviously do hypnosis shows and you still do your hypnotherapy and we'll come into come come into the therapy side of things uh shortly. But I've noticed that you've started doing more what I suppose has to be done. I know you're still using hypnosis amongst this area, but you're doing what would be more keynote speaking and public speaking. Absolutely, Alex. And that largely came about because um I've I've worked for a lot of blue chip client companies here in South Africa and uh, through my stage hypnosis shows, which I used as, as part of their corporate entertainment. And obviously you get talking to these people who do the bookings and they ask things like, you know, could you G up our staff? Could you motivate our staff? Could, you know, we can't, we can't actually believe what we've just watched because I've worked with that guy for like the last 10 years and he wouldn't say boo to a ghost, but meanwhile, you've brought out a side of him that we didn't know existed. Could you do that for the sales team? Could you do that for the, the department? And of course, uh, I, I hear that's that old uh, favorite sound, ka-ching, ka-ching. Yeah. And I say yes. And uh, so I find myself going back to a lot of companies that I had worked for previously as a stage hypnotist. And this time just going back and delivering a one-hour motivational speech uh, based on whatever particular problems they were experiencing at the time and without stereotyping companies they've all got the biggest problems is staff morale their biggest problems is absenteeism and even bigger than absenteeism is present teeism <laughs> you're there but you're not there <laughs> and uh, just getting the staff to 
you know, they say nowadays that if you have a job that you're a very, very lucky person. Mm. And you can reframe that to say, oh, yeah, that was said by an employer for an employer and things like that. But by and large, it is quite a true statement and uh, perhaps not, never more so than now. But there are a lot of disgruntled uh, employees. I mean, you, you talk to them and, and they say things like, I've worked here for five years or 10 years and I hate the place. And I think, but why are you still here? And uh, so I like to turn that around. And I like, to, I like to get them to look at, you know, the employer is paying me. So I am slightly biased that I'm going to come from a favorable uh, perspective. I, I have to be upfront about that. But a lot of it is, is really common sense. And a lot of it is to the spiritual law of gratitude that, you know, if you're not going to be gratitude for a source of income, and that's basically, you know, you can talk about job satisfaction and you can talk about it's your calling and you can have all these altruistic, uh, lovely sayings. But if we if we reduce what is employment, yeah, it, it, it does make you feel good. It gives you something to do. It takes up your time. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you can reduce it to a stream of income. Mm -hmm. And if you are ungrateful for any of your streams of income, my gosh, it is going to dry up like a river. It really is. And it doesn't matter how much they pay you. It will never be enough. Not because of your budgeting skills. It's just because you're ungrateful of that source of income. And uh, so I talk a lot about that aspect, gratitude within the workplace and your contribution. You know, what are you actually doing here? What are you responsible for? Um, they tell me all the things they hate. And I quickly just turn it around. Just tell me, okay, you've told me. 10 things that you hate. Now now just tell me four things that you like. I don't like anything. No, you must like something. Come, let me help you. Don't you like this nice office? Don't you like this air condition that keeps the temperature at steady 22 degrees? Don't you like that? Uh, yeah, it's okay. And then you can see them that they're turning. So I spend a lot of time doing that. Uh, and that's most enjoyable. Uh, I, I'm a, I, I like working with crowds. I love working one-on-one -on -one with people too, obviously. But I'm happiest when I'm with a crowd. And I'm at home with a crowd. I love people. I, I use the crowd psychology. I, I, I play one off against the other. Uh, I'm quite good at swinging opinion and things like that. And I, get, I leave them with a, a different way of thinking, Alex. I, I don't dictate to them. And I don't indoctrinate them. And I don't give them a prescription. This is what you've got to do. I like to leave them thinking, yeah, there is another way. There is another way I can look at this. I don't have to allow that to impact me negatively. I can actually choose how I want to be. And I can um, extend this gratitude, not just for my work, but for everything. And it becomes like a way of life. It's a spiritual concept. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit airy-fairy. You've got to be careful how you put it across and how you dress it up. But it really does work. And it's working beautifully within the workplace. Excellent. Um, this, is, this is going to be slightly out there, so please. We don't have to agree on everything. If there's disagreement, that is fine. That is allowed, obviously, in, uh, you know, in oh, conversation. Just as listeners and viewers can disagree with things we talk about. I'm aware, because you make it's no secret of it. It's out there on your social media. Um, you're um, 
a member of the Masons. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Which for, for, for a lot of listeners or viewers who are not Mason members, although there's a surprisingly large amount of hypnotists that are. Stage hypnotists in England especially, there's quite a lot of uh, uh, Grant Saunders is a Mason, Craig Williams is a Mason, the list goes on. Um, really? But bystanders got secret society. Now, I did a documentary um well, it was released September last year called Extreme Danger, Extreme Hypnosis. It's about how we're all hypnotized from different areas of our life on a daily basis, from the cradle to the grave. And one of the things I looked at was secret societies, um, which obviously included the Masons, and how the Scottish Rite of Masonry has 33 degrees, yes. which is three doubled. The power of three, as in triangles, three-sided, sacred geometry, the fact that you've got the conscious, critical faculty, subconscious, or conscious, subconscious, universal consciousness. The power of three is very powerful. And these are Absolutely. things that are taught in the higher levels, my research shows, especially reading, um, I've had a mental block now, Do uh, Rituals and Dogmas by Albert Pike. The, okay. Um, he was a 33, 37 he was indeed, yes. uh, Mason, who for some reason then decided to write a book revealing the stuff that is largely denied since. Um, so my question, my point is, yeah. a lot of it on the lower levels is about, um, it's effectively a form of personal development um, and and training people to master themselves, as it may have been called in old self-help books? I would agree with that statement. That's very accurate. That's how I see it myself. Uh, you know, Freemasonry, I, I've been a member since uh, 1985. I was just given my honorary grand rank from the Grand Lodge of Scotland, I am a grand uh, marshal, and that is like the, it's one of the highest, uh, let's say, awards, Alex, that you can get within Freemasonry at an honorary level, and it's Thanks. largely given to, to a brother or brethren who have perhaps demonstrated loyalty, demonstrated uh, industry within the, the Freemasonry craft. But I have always found it not to be so much a secret society, it is definitely a society that has a few secrets, as we all do. Magicians have secrets. Um, everybody has some kooks uh, proclaim proclaim to have uh, secrets because in the way they prepare the food or the recipes. And it's not secretive from the point of view that they're hiding anything. And it's not secretive from the point of view that they're hiding anything that is perhaps dangerous or evil or anything like that. It's just... Uh, you know, if, it, if everything was to be made known, um, there'd be, be less enjoyment, if I can put it like that. I always say to people, if you really want to know what's happening in Freemasonry, go to your Bible, the good book, and read the Book of Kings, because it's all there in the Book of Kings. You don't have to go and read these uh, books that authors have written, who weren't even Freemasons. Uh, just go to the Book of Kings and read that, and you'll be as good as any Freemason. But I, I think it's a wonderful society, and I do hear that there are people who are, let's say, worried or skeptical, but we'll always have skeptical, worried people. 
won't mm -hmm. we, Alex? And, you know, yeah. whilst we have to cater for them, I think it's better if progress is going to be made that we cater for the, the more educated amongst us, uh, the, the people that want to get on, the people that want to see others get on, the people that will help, because there's so many people talking, 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 but do very little. And uh, Freemasonry is founded on that bedrock of love, of uh, charity, of faith and hope and brotherly love and helping uh, not just Masons, but if you look at the Freemasons in Scotland, they are aligned. They have aligned themselves with uh, prostate uh, prostate cancer, and uh, that's something that affects a lot of men. And uh, many non-Masons uh, are, are, you know, derive benefits from that every year unwittingly. Don't even know it that you know that something was provided by the Freemasons. But it is a wonderful organization. I would recommend it to to everybody. And I'd be very happy to propose you, my brother, because I consider you a brother already. You well, possess many of the qualities that, that a good Freemason has. Trust me on that one, Alex. Thank you. I mean, I, I actually was proposed for uh, oh, bloody hell, how many years ago now? Crikey. Uh, probably 11, it's about 15, 16 years ago. And I turned it down because I was doing um, I was doing a, a lot of work on a book I, I was putting together at the time called The Bible, God and Hypnotism. And mm. amongst that, that led me on the path of looking into the Knights Templar, and okay. who ultimately ended up founding Roslyn Chapel in uh, Scotland, which... Yeah have well certainly if you go into it has got masonic sim symbolism throughout All over yes mm. now that's not a bad thing of itself but I, I, I turned it down because at the time i hadn't finished doing my research which led me to this conclusion and again we, we can disagree but my conclusion was this the freemasons um 95 percent probably more than that, probably 97% of its membership yeah. are completely po of positive intent and don't know what the other 3% are hiding behind the scenes, so to speak. And that that 3%, the 97% that are good, are filtered through the ranks but observed. And if it is observed that somebody could be pliable or manipulated to reach the aims of the nefarious 3%, then they may be at a higher level moved aside. But the majority will never know this is going on um, and be doing nothing except largely charitable work which the masons do massively worldwide i mean which is all good so but behind it hidden in there there's three percent that's just a, a made-up figure but the minority that are using it for nefarious purposes to manipulate and control for various control and power 
reasons? I dare, I dare say that could possibly be true. I, I wouldn't be able to argue that point or to come up with any other statistics to you know disprove what you're saying. Um, I really don't know enough about it to to accurately comment. Uh, but you do you do have a valid point, I suppose. Yes. And I did my research independent prior to actually reading Albert Pike's Dogmas and Rituals, or Rituals and Dogmas, or the mental block mm. where around is. Um, and <laughs> for whatever purpose, God knows what his motivation was, who he'd fallen out with, why he felt the need to write that book, or if it was only ever meant to be read by um, other Masons and then has been leaked out, mm. God knows. But uh, he does tend to indicate that there is at the much higher levels because 33 for people who are watching or listening the reason uh there's 30 33 degrees 33rd degrees for scottish uh right of freemasonry it ties in with the fact of um i have the mental block on what the vertebrae in the spine and the 33rd symbolically is your brain uh, which is obviously sat on top of your spine. That's where the that comes in for people who want to look into this a bit more. Because there is a lot. If you do some study on this, what I'm getting at for people at home, because we can't dwell on this too much, because I want to talk about hypnotherapy. But there is a lot that ties in with nonverbal. Um, I'm going to use the phrase mind control, but we could call it suggestion or through symbolism uh, involved in religion. We know that. There is law also in many secret societies, including the Masons. They're very aware of the power of symbolism on the unconscious, subconscious mind to um, affect people positively or negatively. Because obviously everything's got uh, polarities. Um, yeah, no. Absolutely. No, but signs uh, make up a lot of our life, as do symbols. And it would be very, very difficult if we found ourselves in a society that was bereft of signs and symbols. Uh, we wouldn't know how to cope. I mean, oh, we'd have cars, at, it's galore. Oh, absolutely. You know, the traffic, the robots or the traffic lights, they're symbols. When you look up at the street name, that's a sign, it's a symbol. Um, it would be terribly poor. Uh, society if we were to strip away symbolism and signs because uh, we need it really to to navigate our way through this world and it really helps the brain tremendously because the brain loves to work on symbols and signs it's a shortcut rather than writing out something this is this and this is that uh, the sign that you accept what when you look at a sign you have an acceptance that that sign means this and then you respond accordingly the sign doesn't always mean the same thing for everybody. Someone who may misinterpret a sign or a symbol could uh, create confusion. But upon receiving the correct education and the correct uh, exposure, symbols are normally uh, worldwide. So, you know, you can body language symbols and body language signs worldwide usually, and I say usually, not completely, mean the same thing. But, yeah. Signs and symbolism and symbol and symbols are everywhere, everywhere. And depending on what meaning is attached to that symbol, and then over time through repetition, 
hypnotic through repetition uh people become conditioned um classical conditioning to how they would react to that symbol stereotypically which arguably is underpinning um the way people for example form habits addictions fears phobias and such like isn't it I would agree with that, yes. The classical con condition is playing a big part and it causes a lot of our behaviours. And uh, if we were just to think back, why am I smoking 60 a day? Oh, you know what? I started uh, with five a day and then it built up to 10 a day. And if you were just to replay that, it would be a lot easier for you to come to the, con the, the decision and the conclusion that I can actually stop this and stop it very quickly. But people don't. People forget all that, and people have this idea that they've been smoking 60 cigarettes since day one. They have not. And it's just what you say there, what you said there right now. It's the conditioning over a period of time that has gotten them to this kind of behavior, which is, which is perhaps just escalating now out of control. Now, I know you've had a lot of success out there in South Africa, and people can see it, the links below this video or this audio podcast, uh, the link to your website where they can go, and I know you've got uh, audio recordings available that can help people with smoking, weight, and, uh, and other issues. But I also know you do live, you've done a lot of live group events out there, especially with um, yes. smoking cessation with great success. Yeah, the max way to stop smoking. I had it on the road, but it's come to a grinding halt at the moment. Because mm. uh, we're also in lockdown, like most of the world, like the UK. Right. And uh, this is when I'm really, this is the only time, Alex, I'm envious of you. Because when I look at your catalogue, oh gosh, uh, you've got so many wonderful products. And you know, Alex, I neglected that side of my uh, business for years. Um, yes, I ran courses. Yes, I've done the, the, the seminars. Absolutely. But I neglected having a good product base because that would serve me very well right now to have a greater virtual uh, presence. And that's why I'm looking so forward to your course uh, this weekend that's coming up. Uh, I'm going to attend. You didn't invite me. I hope after this interview, I'm still invited. Yeah, of course. And, uh, I, of intend, course. I in, intend to be there. I'm going to really enjoy myself. In fact, I've already enjoyed myself. I thought it was brilliant because our future progressed myself at the time. <laughs> and I thought Alex was his outstanding best. I will do my but, best. Yeah, now, the, uh, the virtual site, uh, thank you. And your best is good enough. That's one thing about your best. Good enough. And it's good enough for the entire planet. All 8 billion of us, Alex Best is good enough. But yeah, I have neglected that side of things. And it's come back to bite me, Alex, in the backside. Because well, I, I had many opportunities. It's going to sound mm. negative partly, but I mean this positively, both to you and all the viewers and listeners. Take this opportunity, because there's still going to be some more probably a few more weeks at least. I know some places are starting to ease off, but there's going to be at least a few more weeks of so-called lockdown or as the easy, there's still going to be disruption before things get back to normal. And this is the potential negative, but I, I think through observation, and some can, you can call me conspiracy theorist listeners, but the simple fact is that the Rockefeller Foundation um, on published documents that you can go and see on their own website 
and documents that Bill Gates has put out through Event 201, an ID 2020 project and other things, uh, there is actually mention of a significant event happening around September-ish 2020 this year. And on the timescale of things that they're talking about, logically, they're easing the lockdowns and stuff. Could that be the so-called second wave? Uh, and I'm doing that speech, Mark. So that's not me saying that COVID isn't a real virus because we're doing this on the 25th of May 2020. Uh, I believe it is a real virus and I believe it does have the potential to kill. However, I do believe that the media have massively blown that out of proportion and that governments around the world have jumped on board to blow it out of proportion to harness a real minimalish threat to blow it out of proportion to instill fear into people so that they can take advantage of a genuine issue but for things they've had planned out for years that are documented in Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, um, the ID 2020 project, Bill Gates, uh, the Rockefeller Foundation's new, uh, what is it, new population of the world. The links are on my Facebook. You've, you'll find them there. And I think they're just utilising this to take advantage of it because daily more and more stuff's coming out where more and more doctors, virologists, uh, experts and scientists are saying that, yeah, there is a risk, but locking people down isn't isn't the best way to go about sorting it out. Yeah, I echo your sentiments uh, to a degree. You know, I am taking also the, the corona COVID virus seriously. Uh, but what I'm doing, rather than spreading fear, is I'm spreading my immune buster my immune booster buster, or whatever you want to call it, uh, free of charge on Facebook and on the internet, places like that. Anybody in the world can download it free of charge. It's seven minutes long. And uh, you just close your eyes. You listen to me chatting about how strong your immune system is and how the T cells and the white blood cells are all being boosted. And after that, you feel great. And I, I think that's uh, the way we should be going. Yes, we must take preca precautions. The link but, uh, will be below down. this video or below the audio. I'll find the link and put it below so you can go and grab that to help your immune system. Because that's one of the key things. We all have an immune system. And, uh, and I get that the media is portraying it as, oh, you've got to stay in, otherwise you're going to cause the spread of this. But we, we live in a world now, when we were younger, we we as kids would be playing out and end up bloody eating dirt and getting in germs and that helped us build up our immune systems now we're so clean we've got to i mean sometimes washing your hands too often can actually make you more prone to uh catching things i'm not saying don't wash your hands follow the government advice because i don't want suing but what i'm saying is if you're too clean and your environment's too sterile, you don't give your immune system a chance to develop and strengthen. Absolutely. Alex, my home city, as you know, is Glasgow. And I used to swim with my pals in the River Kelvin. We used to swim in the canals which circle uh, Glasgow. Glasgow is surrounded by canals. We used to swim in the canals. 
The police used to come to the school and say, listen, uh, don't swim in the canals. It's very, very dangerous. There's dangerous chemicals in there which will kill you. We used to laugh and dive in that same afternoon. Look, yes, obviously there have been fatalities, people swimming in rivers where they shouldn't be and swimming in canals where they shouldn't be. I mean, it's not a public swimming pool. That was the kind of things we did. And I believe to have a robust, strong immune system starts obviously in your head. But it also starts out there by coming into contact with these so-called pathogens or these so-called bugs or viruses because how are you going to strengthen your immune system if it's got nothing to attack? It's like a muscle. If you want to increase your bicep from 18 inches to 20, you're going to have to pick up some weights or do other kind of resistance training. Uh, you know, sitting looking at it all day long or keeping it away from the gym is not going to help. But again, I... Just like you, Alex, I propose to everybody that they follow the governmental uh, guidelines because that is coming from the experts. Uh, that's also in inverted commas. And mm. uh, <laughs> I also don't want to get to this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do your own research. Make your own adult-informed decisions. We are not Absolutely. You know, nothing is perfect in this world. I always look at the upside, I look at the downside, and there's a downside to everything. And there's also an upside to everything. And then I try and make an informed decision. And if I get myself to near six or seven, that's close to the upside. I'm going for it. If, if I can't get past two or three, that's a downside. I think, whoa, maybe I should do, as you say, some more research. Yeah. What I find strangely ironic... Um is that when people as human beings are scared of something that that kicks in the fight flight or freeze uh parasympathetic response system in the body which because you're on that um, fight flight freeze uh, level of fear disorientation confusion um actually means you're producing the stress chemicals like cortisol and all this that and the other which in turn means your immune system is actually lowered so by all yeah, this yeah. media hysteria they're actually helping to lower people's immune system thus making them more likely to catch something or if they did get something for it to affect them more than it would do if they went look Take these sensible precautions, but as long as you take the sensible precautions, everything, if they focus on the fact that, you know, 98% of people survive and live that get it, rather than focusing on deaths and stuff, and that you could help yourself through, such as the link below this video or audio, self-hypnosis, hypnosis can help, uh, positive mind, mind over body, but also by eating more fruit and vegetables and getting your vitamins why are vitamins depending where you are why are they not giving those messages none of these experts and it's not like it's some hidden uh, conspiracy theory that taking your vitamins or vitamins can help your immune system it's accepted fact by doctors worldwide so why aren't they telling us those messages through the media well alex you and i both know that uh, when someone is scared um, it's because they don't know much about what's going on and then to remove that fear it's a very good technique to tell them what to do and how to do it and that fear will be removed even if you're talking mumbo-jumbo even if you're talking nonsense but we do know that that, that fear does sell uh, bad news does sell 
and you know to you know to change to change the masses' behaviour. Uh, good news, I don't think is going to do it. And to tell them to take we've been telling them to take vitamins for years. We've been telling them to go to the gym to lose a bit of weight, to stop smoking, to stop drinking so much. We've been telling them all that. They've been told that for years, and uh, largely has fallen on perhaps deaf ears. And I'm not criticizing our community. I'm not criticizing the masses, not at all. I'm one of them myself. Uh, and I like your advice. Do your own research. But be very, very careful where you get your sources from. Yeah. Because, you know, everybody and anybody has something to say nowadays thanks to social media and thanks to the Internet. And you have to be careful that the research that has been claimed to be done has, in fact, been done. And it's not just a form of regurgitation where they've perhaps read someone else's report, misinterpreted it, and then applied it to their own thinking and come up with some kind of mongrelized version or distorted version of the facts. So I say to people, you play safe, do your own research, keep yourself healthy in mind and body, and uh, be positive above all. Above everything else, remain, just as you said there, Alex, Remain positive because and that's, that's going positive to help us. Intent. Now that's where this was heading because we went off track slightly, Matt. The downside is I think stuff like this is going to happen again, second wave maybe, or, or something different will appear. So the positive thing is, or flip side of that is, start preparing now, uh, so that you're all whether you're a hypnotherapist. It's probably slightly more difficult for stage hypnotists, but that said, I've seen one or two people who have started doing. Um, good luck to them. Fingers crossed it works out for them, but this is a potential health and safety and legal nightmare galore, but have started doing uh, hypnosis shows over Zoom to hypnotise people in their homes so they're not physically present now that's fine with hypnotherapy but stage hypnosis different ball game depends what country you're in i could see that potentially having problematic issues but good luck to them i hope it doesn't fuck up my point is now is the time you need to take this as a kick up the ass to start creating your audio programs your video it programs is. to start don't be scared of doing online hypnotherapy you know the, the fact the person's not in with the room with you, all right, you may not get the same. Those of you who are energy workers who are heavily into that might go, well, I can't feel the same energy. But you know what? As long as the person can see you, um, then the elements of body language will still work. As long as they can hear you, your voice tones, inflections and all that, there is no reason why as long as the person you, who's going to be your client believes that it will work for them which they should because your marketing should point out that it will that when they yes. book it should just be as effective as if they were in the room with you and it means you can get back to work now rather than worrying about when it's going to be safe to have somebody physically come to your consulting room yeah well that's what i'm doing right now i'm doing a lot of skype sessions a lot of facetime sessions whatsapp sessions with people individually i'm doing hypnosis uh, online a stage show Ooh, no no i don't think i'll uh, i'll do that one alex i don't no. think even you'll do that one <laughs> no no and you're one brave lad but no uh, i won't do that one no i have them 
seated right in front of me the way we are now, and uh, I also insist that someone is close by to act as a third party uh, intervention if need be. Yeah. And then I, I proceed with my typical hypnotherapy session as if you were actually sitting in front of me in my office out there. So, yeah, but now I want to say, Joe, that's, that's too many. Too many variables that are that are, you know what it's like. Be it's bad enough being there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to be doing it remotely, and something happens, or you miss something. No, no, I won't do that. But I'd love to hear how that is working for the guys who are doing it. Uh, well, I know the television pilot, I believe. Um, so, well, we'll see if anything comes of it. But unfortunately, I mean, even if it does work for them, and I hope it does, it may never see the light of day on TV because for every, as you know, Max, for every kind of 10 television pilots we get approached with by TV companies, possibly one of them might actually see the light of day. Yeah. So, like 100 to one, I think. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's probably more like one out of 100, yeah. So, you know, stage hypnosis shows-wise, when the lockdown's over, if they're still going to keep this social distancing thing, I don't know what it's like there, but here it's this, uh, the saying two metres, which is six foot. Um, although some scientists have come out and said that's nonsense. One one metre, three foot is enough, but the government's saying six, six, uh, six foot. In theory, that means you've got to have a six-foot gap between each of the chairs on the stage area, which immediately means you're going to be able to have less people on stage. There'll be less people in the audience as well, because the way they're talking about it is you're going to have to have empty seat that way, sat at the sides and front and behind in the theatres, for example. So you'd be operating at roughly a third or a quarter capacity of the theatre. Yeah, I worked at a quarter. You'd be working at a quarter capacity um, based on the 1.82 meter rule. I, I, I can't see how it's going to unfold because we are a numbers game. I like to start off myself with 10 people. Yeah. Uh, I don't do the hand class, but I don't do any pre-testing, nothing. I call for 10 volunteers. Now, where am I going to get a stage that is 18 meters or 20 meters wide? Uh, <laughs> No, uh, not nowhere around here. And if I'm going to have to space them out, I don't think they're going to hear me because, again, I speak off the microphone, and I, you know, I don't, I don't do my induction through the mic because I don't want anybody in the audience getting hypnotised. I only want the volunteers, and uh, so I speak off the microphone with my normal uh, voice at this pitch, this rate, at this volume, mm. and. Uh, if I'm standing in the middle and I've got someone 10 metres that side and 10 metres that side, I, I don't think he's going to hear me um, the way I would like him to hear yeah. me. So I don't even want to, right now, I don't, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> and there's the price because, point uh, as well, isn't there? You know, if a venue can only get a quarter capacity, are they going to be able to afford to pay us what we Charge. That was my next. That was what I was going to say next. If they're only going to get a quarter to a third capacity, they're not going to pay the normal going rate, Alex. It's just not financially possible. It's not economically possible. They're no. going to say something like, "Listen, we normally have a hundred people in here. We've got thirty. So you normally charge X amount. Can we give you a third of that? What do you do? You either do it or you don't. 
Yeah. But Which is why I would say I mean, take this as a kick up the bum, everyone watching and listening, to start creating your multiple streams of passive income. Using your oh. skills to create your self-help things that you can sell. And, um, you know, when everything's back to normal, you'll still have those things there that you can still earn money from. But when things foundation. like God forbid, happen again, at least you will have something that means you don't... It's sad because I'm seeing a lot of magicians, especially. Um, a lot of a few hypnotists as well I've seen. Therapist and stage on Facebook, putting comments that like they've had, they've gone and got a proper job. Because it turns out, which I find I find it sad because that's saying that A, there's the uncertainty, they need to pay the bills, I understand that. But it means also by ver they clearly haven't got enough savings to carry them through. And, you know, really, if perhaps they'd spent a bit more time in the past putting together passive income streams, they won't find themselves now um, on the checkout in Asda. There's nothing wrong with be working on a checkout. I'm just saying that if you've devoted most of your life to being a performer or a therapist, it does seem somewhat of a shame, to say the least, to suddenly have to stop doing you know, it. It's the exact same here in Johannesburg. Businesses are closing down. Now, I'm talking about businesses that have been in business for 20 years. They have an established uh, track record. Mm -hmm. They have established uh, clientele. Uh, they're closing down, and they've made it known we have closed and we will not be reopening after uh, COVID is over. They've made it quite clear. Uh, as for an in individuals, I know some magicians who are really struggling Personally, myself, I'm lacking in the the online product side of things. I'm very, very fortunate that uh, from a financial perspective, I'm in a very strong position. However, that can't last indefinitely. Wow. And if COVID is still with us in two or three years' time, then I'm going to have to sell some of my motorbikes or <laughs> my classic cars and things like that because, uh, you know, no, it's you're not. Monetary world. No, you're not, you know? because you're going to take this as okay. to get more products together now, so that that time will never oh, come. Yeah. You know what? Absolutely, you're absolutely right, and uh, this has really been a big wake-up call for me because, as I, as I said, I'm reiterating now. I had so many opportunities uh, to get these things done, and done properly, done professionally. Uh, joint ventures and partnerships and I said no because I was earning so much money doing what, what I love best live face-to-face -face stuff yeah. I thought no I'm not selling a video I'm not interested in selling uh, this and that uh, it was short-sighted I am short-sighted in real life by the way <laughs> and uh, that was a short-sighted uh, business decision because you know what you know what it's like you, you know, it's ka-ching and you're sitting here drinking a cup of tea, but someone's buying something on Amazon or eBay or any online platform. And it's, it's really money for jam. And also, you know, when I think about it, and I've been thinking about it a lot lately, you're actually doing the public a disservice by not having your products online. Because not everybody is, ever, is going to be ever able to come and see you one-on-one. -on -one. Not everybody's going to be able to come and see your show. So you owe it to them to have these products available where they can download them uh, for a tenth of the normal price or half price or whatever your, your fee is. 
and you're making your expertise, which is a God-given gift, available to more people who really need it. So, yeah, I, I'm feeling quite bad. I'm feeling remorseful, but I'm going to take your advice, Alex, and I'm going to do something about it. Excellent. And I hope that the viewers and listeners uh, take it as a kick up the backside in a positive fashion, of course, as well. Absolutely. Well, we have we've gone ever so slightly over the hour. I am sure the viewers and listeners, however, will forgive me for that because uh, there is gold in the past hour. Um, and as I always say, or well, most always say, but I definitely am doing here. If you get a pad and a pen and you watch or listen to this again and take notes, you will realize there are absolute gems of wisdom and knowledge in the past hour that can help you become a better uh, hypnotist, whether it's for entertainment or therapeutic purposes. So thank you so much, Max. Everyone watching, listening, look at the links below this video. That'll take you to Max's social media pages, YouTube, uh, the immune uh, strengthening uh, free therapy, and of course, also his website. Um, so thank you ever so much. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show, Max. Alex, thank you so much. It's been great chatting to you, great seeing you. God bless you, my friend. Keep doing what you're doing because you're doing it very well. And I certainly am appreciative of everything you do for the hypnotic industry. Thank you, my pal. God bless you. I love you. Thank you. Goodbye, everyone.